Thank you, Chris, for leading us this morning. It's a blessing to have a triple threat guy around that can fill in the, the gaps when other guys are not here. So we're grateful for Chris Steyer and our music team, as always, faithfully serving us. Well, that, uh, I think, has uh, become one of our favorite songs as a church, I Will Wait For You. I know it's one of my favorite songs. And that theme of waiting on the Lord, you know, is all throughout the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. And uh, another word for wait is what? I will trust in you, Lord. You, we could have sang that very same thing. Instead of, I will wait for you, I will trust in you, Lord. It's the same thing. That's what waiting means in the Old Testament is when, when the psalmist said, I will wait for you. In other words, I will trust you, Lord. I'll depend upon you. I will rely on you. And so this theme of trust or reliance or dependence is a very, very important concept for us to grasp as believers and uh, in fact, some would say that the root of all sin is a lack of faith. Some would say pride, right? That's what probably came to your mind, pride. But some would say it's, it's a lack of faith. It's unbelief. In fact, that's the ultimate sin, right? The sin um, of unbelief, the unpardonable sin. If you refuse to not believe in God's provision for salvation in Christ, there's no other way for you to be rescued from your sin. And so that's the unpardonable sin. You can't be forgiven for unbelief if that's the way you end, right? As long as you still have breath, uh, you haven't committed the unpardonable sin yet. You may be on your way of doing that, to doing that, but not yet, right? So I was thinking about this concept of trust, and I was thinking about a passage that might be helpful for us as we wrap up 2019 as we head into 2020, a new decade, and the passage that came to my mind was Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8, and I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn there with me, Jeremiah chapter 17, and it's always good, at least from my perspective, to uh, go back to the Old Testament from time to time. We're New Testament saints, we're New Covenant believers, and uh, we typically spend the majority of our time in the New Testament. Uh, that's why I've taught through far more New Testament books than Old Testament books. But I think it's refreshing for us to go back to the Old Testament and to go to school on the Israelites and uh, what God taught them as he was choosing them and saving them and sanctifying them. And so we find a very interesting text. I would assume many of you are familiar with this text, Jeremiah 17, verse 5. These are the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who, what? Trusts. In mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert, and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitants. 
verse 7. Blessed is the man who, what? Trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Father, thank you for the promise that the entire Bible was inspired by your spirit. You moved men along, not just in the New Testament like the Apostle Paul, but you moved men along like Jeremiah, the prophet, to write down exactly what you wanted him to write or to say and then to preserve it here for us so that uh, through the instruction of the Old Testament, we would have hope. And so as we uh, come to this text this morning, I pray that you would grant us focus. Lord, we've had so many things going on in our lives, so many different distractions. I pray that we would uh, really be able to focus and concentrate this morning on what you would have to say to us that we would appreciate what's happening here right now as the Word of God, your Word, the Bible, the Scriptures are being explained, that it's not just the Word of a man, but it's actually you speaking to each one of us this morning. And so I pray we'd receive this message as directly from your mouth today for our lives. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now that Christmas is over, most people's attention has turned to the new year and what's in store for 2020. And this is the time when pundits and psychics and astrologists and economists and political analysts and government agencies and tech companies all cast their predictions for the coming year. And uh, we, we've gotten used to people forecasting the future. It's It's always been a prevalent thing at the start of a new year, but it's especially popular this year since we're moving into a new decade, 2020. And so everyone's trying to predict what's going to happen to Donald Trump. Will he be impeached or will he be reelected? Who will be the Democratic candidate that goes against him? Or maybe more important things, who will win the Super Bowl? Um... Will we experience a recession, right? You fill in the blanks. You know this is what everybody's talking about uh, this time of year. And while some have successfully successfully predicted a number of future trends and events, it's always possible. The odds are pretty good that you're going to get some of it right. No one knows exactly what the future holds. But, What if I told you that I can predict what your life is going to be like this next year? Would you be interested? Would you pay me money? Just kidding. I don't don't want any money. People pay a lot of money, right, to people to tell them what their future holds. Now, I don't have a crystal ball to gaze into, but I do have this biblical text to go on. And I'm no prophet, 
but Jeremiah was. And as you know, prophets in the Bible were able to foresee and foretell what would happen in the future. And based on what Jeremiah said in these verses, you and I don't have to wonder what our lives will be like in 2020. Because in these, two, in these, in these four verses here, God, through the pen of Jeremiah, gave two predictions which apply to all of our lives. Every one of our futures is foreseen and foretold in one of these two predictions. To put it simply, one of these two things is going to happen to you this year. One of two things is going to happen to you this year. Your life will either be blessed or your life will be cursed. Depending on how you live and who you choose to trust. Hopefully, I've got your attention. Because this is what 2020 is going to look like for you and for me, one way or the other. Now, so that we fully understand and more importantly, accurately understand this passage. Let me set it in its historical context. As you know, God chose the nation of Israel to be his special people. And he wanted to use them to cause all the other nations of the world to come to know him as the one true God. And so in order for this to happen, Israel had to remain holy or set apart or different from all the other nations of the world. And rather than blending in with everyone else, God wanted them to stand out. And that's why he commanded them to never worship any of the gods or wed any of the gals of these foreign nations. No foreign gods, no foreign women. But as you know, Israel disobeyed these two commands and idolized and invoked pagan gods and intermarried with pagan people. And this nation that was supposed to be holy unto God had become permeated with idolatry and immorality. And consequently, God sent the prophet Jeremiah to call them to repentance. And his ministry was to confront them about their sin and let them know how angry God was about it and warn them that if they didn't change, he was going to punish them by letting enemy nations, these, these nations that they were supposed to be witnessing to, he would let these nations or use these nations to capture them and make them their slaves. Notice what he said in the first four verses of this chapter. Jeremiah 17.1, the sin of Judah is written down with an iron stylus. In other words, it's as if it was engraved with a diamond point. It's engraved upon the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars as they remember their children. So they remember their altars and their ashram by green trees on the high hills. He's referencing these foreign idols. O mountain of mine in the countryside, I will give over your wealth and all your treasures for booty, your high places for sin throughout your borders, and you will, even of yourself, let go of your inheritance that I gave you, and I will make you serve your enemies in the land which you do not know, for you have kindled a fire in my anger which will burn forever. 
And what Jeremiah was referring to there was the Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem when they would destroy the temple and destroy the walls and then remove the people from the land of Israel and take them to Babylon. And so this was Jeremiah's awesome task to speak for God to this rebellious nation. And if you know anything about Jeremiah, he was referred to as the weeping prophet. Why? Because no one listened to him. He was despised. He was disregarded. And yet he was committed to telling them what God wanted them to hear. Notice what he says in verse 5. Thus says the Lord. This is what God has to say to you, people. These are not my words. These are God's words. And so Jeremiah wanted to, the, these, these proud, stiff-necked people to realize that if they had an issue with anything that he had to say, they really didn't have an issue with him. They had an issue with God. They needed to take it up with God. He was simply acting as God's messenger. He wanted them to know that they couldn't just blow off what he had to say. Which they tried to do because they would take him and they'd throw him down in a pit and do all sorts of mean things to the guy. He just wanted them to, to humbly and completely submit to the authority of God's word. Thus says the Lord. The same principle applies to us, not just this morning, but every time we open up God's word and, and walk through it together, that, that what we hear are not the words of a man, they're the words of God. And when God speaks, there's no discussion, there's no debate. He said it, that settles it. We obey it, period. And so what does the Lord have to say to us this morning through this text? Well, again, there's two predictions here that apply to, to every one of us in this room. The first prediction is the prediction of a cursed life. The prediction of a cursed life in verses 5 and 6. The second prediction is the prediction of a blessed life, verses 7 and 8. Now, each one of these predictions can be broken up into two parts. They both have two verses. Um, one has a, or each of them have a prophecy. It begins with a prophecy, and then it also has a picture, followed up with a picture. So there's a prophecy and there's a picture. And so let's look at this first prediction, the prediction of a cursed life, and let's look at the prophecy in verse 5. Jeremiah says, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So obviously that first word, cursed or cursed, is the operative term there, which literally means to be hindered or hemmed in by obstacles. That's what the idea here that was on Jeremiah's mind. This, this, by the way, is an exclamation. This is a threat of punishment. This is a pronouncement of judgment. You, you never wanted to hear this word come out of the prophet's mouth or a prophet's mouth directed towards you or going in your direction. 
You never wanted to hear cursing. Because what it meant was that God was highly displeased with you. And he's committed to frustrating you and not allowing you to prosper or succeed. He, he hinders you. He hams you in. He puts obstacles in your life. And so whoever he's about to describe here, you don't want to be that guy or that gal, this cursed person, okay? So who is this person that is cursed by God, who, who is frustrated by God, who is, who, who is not allowed to prosper or succeed because of God? Well, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. That word man in the Hebrew is the word for the strong, mighty man. This is the macho man, okay? Cursed is the macho man. Kind of date myself there with that expression, but you understand what it means. It's the tough guy. It's the, 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 the bold, brash, I did it my way. It's my way or the highway. They're arrogant. They exalt themselves. And they ultimately trust in themselves. They rely upon, they place their confidence in, they find their security in mankind, it says. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, in frail mortal man. This is an interesting play on words here. In the Hebrew, this word mankind is the word Adam, which is the obviously the word, the, the name of our of our first, the first human being, Adam, who represents frail mortal man. So this is, uh, this is the wimpy guy, okay? So you've got the macho man, thinks he's all cool and bad and tough, and he's actually trusting in mankind, which is, in reality, a wimp. We're made of dust. We'll return to the dust. We're nothing but dust. We're temporal. He said, curses is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. Literally, the word there is skin. In other words, you trust in your own sinful, weak body. And you make flesh your strength. Literally, your arm, which your arm is a symbol of your strength, right? You talk about having big guns, right? Your arms represent your strength. And so he's saying, you're, again, you're trusting in yourself. I love what King Hezekiah said to the Israelites when Zanakarib, the king of Assyria, came against them and Assyria had already destroyed the ten northern tribes of Israel and the king Hezekiah was over the two southern tribes referred to as Judah. And in order to encourage the people, when the king of Assyria was coming their way and was going to try to do what, do to them what he had done to the nation of Israel, the ten northern tribes, king Hezekiah said this, 2 Chronicles 32, 8, with him, with Zanacharib, is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battle. In other words, Zanacharib might look all big and bad, and he took out our 
you know, the other half of our nation, if you will. But hey, he's all he's got is the arm of flesh. But we have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battle. Unfortunately, by this time, now Assyria is off the off the um, the map, if you will. Now Babylon has taken over Syria. Now they're the world power. And in the, 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 the years that have passed between the downfall of Assyria and the rise of Babylon, now Judah was no longer trusting in the Lord and the strength that he provided to help them and to fight their battles. Now they were trusting in their own strength and they were also relying on the strength of others. And they had made foreign alliances with Egypt and Assyria to help protect them from the Babylonians. Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Psalm 146, 3, Do not trust in princes and mortal man in whom there is no salvation. And right there in the same context, Isaiah 31, another prophet to the nation of Judah, Isaiah 31, verse 1, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Verse 3, Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit, so the Lord will stretch out His hand, and he who helps will stumble, and he who is helped will fall. All of them will come to an end together. In other words, I'm going to frustrate your attempts to defend yourself. I'm going to thwart these people, not only you, but I'm going to just thwart these people that are trying to help you or that you're depending on to help you. And so back in Jeremiah, curses the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. There are lots of people alive today who are just like the Israelites who were warned by the prophets. And what makes them like the Israelites? They, they trust in everything but God. They trust in their job. They trust in their paycheck, their bank account, their good looks, their athletic ability, their intelligence, their ingenuity, their weapon. Even what they presume they will accomplish in the future. How many times do you hear people, especially this time of year, well, yeah, this next year I'm going to do this and I'm going to go there and I'm going to... And what did James say? Your life is but a vapor. You don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. Instead, you should say, if the Lord, what? Wills will do this or that. But that, you don't often hear that. Right? It's just, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go here, and we're going to do this, and I'm going to win this, and I'm going to earn this, and I'm going to achieve this, and I'm going to buy this, and move here. And, and so what? They act like they're in control of their own destiny. And according to Jeremiah, these people are under the curse of God. Why? Because trusting in yourself and others requires that you turn away from trusting in the Lord. Notice the last phrase there in verse 5. And whose heart turns away from the Lord. That's the natural consequence of trusting in yourself. 
You, you turn aside from the course that God would have you. You veer off the right path. You abandon what you know is right or true. You rebel against God's sovereignty over your life. You refuse to give him the honor and the glory that he is worthy of. And the bottom line here is you can't trust God and yourself at the same time. You have to choose one or the other. Turn back to 1 Kings real quick. You're, you're there in the Old Testament, so it's just to the left a bit. 1 Kings chapter 18, and here, listen to the words of another prophet, the prophet Elijah, who was rebuking the Israelites for trying to worship Baal and God at the same time. And this was uh, right before the, the um, famous showdown with the 400 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. But notice what he said. This is 1 Kings 18, verse 21. Elijah came near to all the people and said, so he calls all the people together to watch this showdown between him and the prophets of Baal to show them once and for all that there is only one true God. And he says this, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. In other words, quit sitting on the fence. Quit trying to honor Baal and God at the same time. It's impossible. You got to choose who you're going to follow. And so you can't follow both. And if you're the kind of person who is described here in Jeremiah 17, verse 5, and whose heart turns away from the Lord, if you are that person who has turned away from God and you're trusting in yourself rather than God, then God is extremely angry with you. Just like he was with the, the Israelites, with the nation of Judah here. And not only, what that means is this, not only are you cursed right now, but you'll also be cursed for all eternity unless you repent. So that's the prophecy. But notice the picture that he follows up the prophecy with, verse 6, for he will be like a bush in the desert. This, this person, this man who trusts in mankind, makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord, what is he going to be like? He will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. That picture of a bush is just just this scrawny, shriveled up shrub. Stripped, stripped bare, totally naked, completely exposed. No foliage, no fruit, no roots, no, no value. The, the picture that comes into my mind when I think of this bush in the desert is a tumbleweed blowing through West Texas. 
We've all had one of those things hit our grill at some point, right? As we were driving across West Texas and out of nowhere, here comes this tumbleweed or we saw the car in front of us skid it. It's, it's a useless thing, right? It's, it's totally useless. It just kind of aimlessly blows around and, and runs into stuff and, and explodes or wrecks stuff. And so he says, you're going to be like a tumbleweed in the desert and you will not see when prosperity comes. In other words, nothing good is going to happen to you. Nothing nice, nothing pleasant. Again, we're in the Old Testament, so look at Proverbs 13. If you've never seen these, these two verses here, I want to get, get you there so you can underline them and find them again when you need them. Because these are two... Shocking statements of wisdom here. Proverbs chapter 13, Proverbs 13, 15. Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding produces favor. Here it is. But the way of the treacherous is hard. And you say, well, who's the treacherous? The person that lives a treacherous life. In other words, a person who is not honoring the Lord, not following the Lord, not pleasing the Lord, just out doing whatever they want to do. And the way of the treacherous or the life of the treacherous heart. In other words, if you choose to trust in yourself and do your own thing, you are asking for a hard life. Take it to the bank. It's going to happen. If you choose to live your way rather than God's way, you are going to, you're choosing to, to suffer. And then look at verse 21. Another shocking phrase, very short and sweet. Adversity pursues sinners, but the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity. So we're talking about this in Jeremiah 17, right? That, that you will not see when prosperity comes. Well, the wisdom of the Proverbs says this. Adversity pursues sinners. In other words, bad things chase you when you're living a sinful life. I mean, it's just, just stuff's chasing you around all the time, trying to catch up with you and, and take you down. And so I think those are good verses to remember. Proverbs 13 15 in Proverbs 13, 21, the way of the treacherous is hard and adversity pursues the sinner. That's exactly what Jeremiah is saying here. For he will be like a bush in the desert, will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. So the idea is living in some parched place. Uh, comes This word stony waste comes from the word meaning hot or scorched. And uh, if you've ever been to the land of Israel, uh, I think he's describing the area around the Dead Sea, which is just nothing but burnt dirt. I mean, it's desolate. It's really nothing pretty to look at. If you've not been to Israel, maybe you've been to West Texas. A lot of burnt dirt out there too, right? Where you can just drive for miles and miles and miles on I-10 
and there's just like nothing out there. A land of salt without inhabitant. And I think that Jeremiah was referring more to more here than just earthly despair. I think this ultimately refers to eternal damnation and hell. I mean, this person, this cursed person, comes to a tragic end. And so that's the awful prediction of the cursed life. That could be you this year. Depending on who you trust in, how you live your life. Well, enough of the bad news. Let's look at the, the good news here. The prediction of a blessed life. The prediction of a blessed life in verses 7 and 8. And again, there's, it starts off with a prophecy and then it's followed up with a picture or an illustration. So first of all, the prophecy, verse 7, blessed or blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Hopefully you, you immediately see the contrast, not just between the cursed and the blessed, but that it all comes down to who or what you're trusting. Blessed, again, the operative term here, is the opposite of curse. Instead of being the subject of God's wrath and punishment, this person is the object of God's love and mercy and grace and goodness and faithfulness. And God is committed to helping this person prosper and be successful. And he will allow them and enable them to experience true joy and happiness and live a productive, effective life. That's what it means to be blessed. And you say, I want to be that guy. How can I be that guy? Well, blessed is the man who, what? Trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. And again, that word trust is the same word that Jeremiah used back in verse 5. It means to rely on or to place your confidence in or to find your security in. Literally, to trust in the Lord means to throw yourself down upon your face and lay prostrate on the ground and worship and serve the Lord. That's what it means to trust in the Lord. You, you depend totally on the Lord. And so that's what Jeremiah is describing here, is a person who places their complete reliance on God alone, not anyone or anything else, especially themselves. And they submit to him. They surrender their entire lives to his sovereign rule, acknowledging that he's the one in control of their life and that he is worthy of honor and thanks from them. And by the way, this shouldn't have been a hard concept. This was, this was uh, easily understood, readily understood by the Israelites who Jeremiah was originally speaking to here. Because every devout Jew considered themselves utterly helpless without God. They, they believed they were in desperate need of God, that they couldn't live a day without Him. 
And you may have heard someone say to someone else or maybe even to you that, oh man, God is just a crutch. God's just a crutch. Something you need to lean on. Well, I don't know how you respond to that. If somebody says, oh, God's just a crutch, I'd say amen to that. In fact, I'd go one step further. He's not just a crutch, he's a stretcher. The point is we need to be humble and honest enough to admit that we're crippled with sin and in desperate need of help. And apart from God, we can do nothing about our sin problem. Listen to some verses about the importance of trusting in God and taking refuge in God. Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 84, 12, O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in thee. Isaiah 30, verse 18, the Lord longs to be gracious to you and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him or who wait on him, or who trust in him. So, Jeremiah is saying here, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. God is extremely happy and pleased with this type of person who trusts in him, and he longs to make that person happy. He, He longs to bless that person's life. And he provides a picture. Jeremiah provides a picture here for us. What does that life look like, that blessed life look like? Well, the exact opposite of a tumbleweed. You go from a picture of a bush in the desert to a tree planted by the water. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. So you, this this picture is a stark contrast to this, this, this tumbleweed with no roots just blowing around the world, just running into stuff. Here's a, a huge healthy, strong tree that is just rooted and grounded. I find it interesting that word planted, for he will be like a tree planted by the water. Literally, that could be translated transplanted. This is a passive sense here that God is the one in control of blessing this person. And it's, and it's this tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. In other words, it, it, it sends forth or thrusts forth vigorously its, its roots just in every direction. And it's by this stream, not, not some murky, stagnant body of water, but a steady flow of, of clear, fresh water. And notice, it will not fear... When the heat comes, the blazing hot sunshine can can bear down on this tree and instead of shriveling up and dying like the bush, it grows even more heartily. 
In other words, it thrives in, in difficult climates and circumstances. And it remains green. It's an evergreen. Its, its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. It continues to flourish even when the flow of water stops, even in the, the, the season of drought. It, it just continues to produce fruit. And it never stops producing fruit. I hope this sounds familiar, this picture, because while you may not be as familiar with Jeremiah 17, I know all of you are familiar with Psalm 1. And the psalmist says this, Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a what? A tree. Firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. That's what Jeremiah's talking about here. This is the kind of person that prospers in whatever he does. And I think it's important that we note here that trusting in God doesn't make us immune to trials and temptations and difficulties. Right? Just because you're a tree and you're rooted and you're grounded and you're planted by the stream of water, well, guess what? There may be seasons of drought. There may be difficult days, difficult trials that you face this next year. And so while you're not immune to these things, you are insulated from them. In other words, when we trust in God through the difficult times of life, whatever those may be, He allows us to prosper, not in spite of them, but because of them. And we know it to be true that God uses trials to cause us to grow even more than when conditions in our life are ideal. Right? We, we all grow more when things are difficult. James 1.12, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Again, I, I don't think this text in Jeremiah 17 is just talking about life here on earth. I think it's saying that God will ultimately bless those who trust in Him by taking them home to live with Him forever in heaven. In other words, while the cursed man has a tragic end, the blessed person lives happily ever after. That's the wonderful prediction of the blessed life. So you've got the awful prediction of the cursed life and you've got the wonderful prediction of the blessed life. My question to you this morning is which one of these two prophecies and two pictures best describes your life? And for a moment, don't look ahead to 2020. Look back at 2019 and maybe your life up to this point 
Have you been trusting in yourself? Do you consider yourself to be the master of your own destiny? Have you been arrogantly rebelling against God's sovereign rule over your life? In other words, you don't want him to have control of your life? Have you been experiencing frustration in your life? Does it seem like all of your plans seem to always fall through and you're not able to accomplish anything in life? It may be because the reason why your life's been so hard is because you're a transgressor. The way of the transgressor is hard. And it could be why so many bad things seem to be happening is because you're a sinner. Adversity pursues a sinner. You're a rebel against God. And so, as you look forward to the future, whatever has been is probably going to be more of the same. If you continue in this trusting in yourself mode of life, you're just going to go tumbling on into 2020. And tumbling through 2020 and 2021 and beyond. Or, you could be this other picture of a tree, right? So the question is, do you trust God? Do you consider him to be the master of your destiny? Do you humbly submit to his sovereign rule over your life? Have you been experiencing success and satisfaction in your life? Does it seem like God has allowed you to accomplish more than, than you hoped and, or even could have imagined? Again, Keep the balance here, right? Even if you are one of these blessed people, doesn't mean there's not droughts, there's not trials, there's not tribulations, there's not troubles that you have to deal with. But the overall pattern of your life is you know you're blessed. You can sense it, you know it. Whereas others of you maybe have never said it, but you feel like your life is cursed. I have an image in my mind right now that I'll never forget. Years ago, a fellow elder and I went to visit a gentleman who was at the time coming to our church and the wheels had just fallen off his life. And I remember us just sitting out in his backyard listening to him share all of his woes and all the bad things that were happening in his life. Well, the reason why we had come over to visit him is because we needed to lovingly confront him about leaving his wife. And being involved in, you know, drugs and alcohol and other things like that. And 
he didn't see the connection. And we're like, hey, you're this guy. I, in fact, if I remember correctly, we read this passage. That, that you are this guy. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Your heart has turned away from the Lord. And that's why all these bad things are going on in your life. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Adversity pursues a sinner. And there is a simple solution. It's called to repent. To repent. To turn away from your, turn away from trusting yourself and turn around and start trusting God. How about you? Every one of us walked in here this morning as one of these two types of people. You came in here either trusting in God and being blessed by God or you're trusting in yourself and you're being cursed by him. There's only two types of people. There's no other third category. You're, you're either someone who trusts God or you trust yourself. And God blesses those who trust in him and curses those who trust in themselves. That's the bottom line message of this passage. And I would just encourage any of you that feel like you're the first guy, this, this cursed guy, this cursed person, because you realize now the reason why your life has been going the way it's been going is because you've turned away from God and you've spent your life rebelling against Him and relying on yourself. But now you realize that the reason why life's been so frustrating and dissatisfying is because you've been under the curse of God. Well, perhaps you want that all to change. And it can change. And if you want to experience God's blessing in your life, instead of turning away from Him, you need to be willing to turn back to Him and repent of your rebellion and self-reliance and take refuge in Him and His plan to rescue you from sin. And self. You say, what's that plan? Well, I love Psalm 212. It says this, pay homage to the sun. Give honor to the sun, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are those who take refuge in him. You say, who's the sun? Well, the sun is Jesus Christ. And God allowed his one and only son, Jesus, to be cursed on the cross so that we could be blessed. Blessed with forgiveness for our sinful rebellion and self-reliance. And so that we could experience the blessing of God in this life and the life to come. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or hangs on the cross. Jesus was cursed for us so we wouldn't have to be. And on the cross, he bore God's wrath and punishment for our sin. And so if we're willing to turn away from our sinful rebellion and self-reliance and place our trust 
alone in confidence in the fact that Jesus died in our place to take the punishment for our sin and that he rose again from the dead and that you're willing to submit your life to him as your sovereign Lord and master, guess what? You will be blessed not only with abundant life now, but eternal life forever. Now, if you're a believer this morning, and by the grace of God, you are trusting in the Lord, you have been trusting in the Lord, and you feel blessed, and you are blessed, I think one of the takeaways for us this morning is to remember that there are tumbleweeds blowing by us every day, all day. Tumbleweeds, there goes another one. There goes my boss. There goes my kid, right? There goes my neighbor. Just, just, there goes my classmate, right? They're just, just tumbleweeds going, rolling all over the place. And what a privilege that we have to share with these tumbleweeds the, the glorious news of salvation in Christ. How their life can be transformed from being a, 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 a bush to a tree. And we can share with them the good news of how Christ was cursed so we can be blessed. Amen? Hopefully that will be good incentive, good motivation for us as we launch into a new year, continuing our emphasis on evangelism and praying, God, give me an opportunity every day, waking up, God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with someone today. Lord, would you... Would you have a tumbleweed run into my car today? Run into my life today. Just, just cross my path. I want a tumbleweed to come out of nowhere and just hit up the side of my life and I have an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and how encouraging and challenging it is all at the same time. There's always something for everybody uh, in the verses that we look at every Sunday and Lord, I pray for anyone here who fits the description, whose life fits the description of that cursed man or that cursed person, that cursed life, Lord, that you would, rather than them walking out of here discouraged and even more frustrated about their life, that they would leave here knowing the hope of forgiveness the joy of forgiveness, a hope of heaven, that you would grant them repentance and faith in Christ. And Lord, for the rest of us, that we would leave here excited about the opportunities that we have every day to tell other people about Jesus. And that, Lord, as these tumbleweeds pass across our paths, Lord, that we would take advantage of the opportunities and love them and care for them and uh, speak truth to them in love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.